PowerPoint, just hit F5, and it should all come up um, once you take that down. But if you'll open up your Bibles this morning, um, I'm only going to read one short scripture, and then I'm going to give you a bunch of homework for scripture to read this week. All right, um, it's Palm Sunday, and it really kicks off the beginning of the Passion Week. And I think each day that we're going to go through this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then we'll just leave it at Friday, um, there's a lot that we can do to really prepare our hearts. You know, we're, we're coming to the end of Lent. Typically in Lent, you take the 40 days to prepare your heart for what God's doing, and, and you may fast, um, you may do a number of different things. This year we didn't emphasize Lent that much. Um, for, for various reasons we didn't emphasize it, but... Hopefully you did something over these 40 days to begin to prepare your heart for what God is doing. But here's the good news. If you didn't, you have redemption this week. That's why I'm giving you homework to do and, and just to read through a lot of the story of Passion Week. And so um, that's my title this morning is Passion Week. Um, if you were here four years ago, I'm reusing a sermon. I will confess, all right? I've modified it a little bit. But, but, but the shell of it is, is really the same. And I usually don't do this. Probably the first time I've done this in years, if I've ever done it at all. I don't remember. I was thinking, have I ever reused a sermon? Not with you guys. Something I've preached here, but I've also preached somewhere else. Um, but uh, I just felt like this is something that's good for us to prepare. And it's more of a teaching this morning than anything. And so what you need is something to write with. A piece of paper, you can take out your phone app, you can even take pictures of the slide deck um, because there are going to be scriptures that you need to write down um, along the way. And so that's kind of what we're doing this morning. So as I've already alluded to, today is uh, Palm Sunday. Another name that's sometimes put on this is Passion Sunday, whether you realize that or not. But it's the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And it's, and it's an amazing kickoff to the week that's ahead, and there's a lot that goes on in this upcoming week, and that's why we're going to look at it more this morning. What I want to read is, is just from Matthew um, 21, verses 1. Well, not, I'm not going to read 1 through 11. I'm only going to read the first couple verses here. But chapter 21 of Matthew, it says, When they approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives. Jesus then sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you should say that the Lord needs them, and immediately he will send them. Then skipping down to verse 10. When he, Jesus, entered Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken, saying, Who is this man? And the crowds kept saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And so this is just the story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And it's really all we're going to look at scripture-wise this morning. And I don't know if my clicker's going to work or not. Yeah, just hit the right arrow, please. Is it moving forward? Oh, there we go. It's lagging. All right. Technology's great. So the Mount of Olives, just in the beginning here, it, it talks about um, they came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives. And then what Jesus does, he sends two disciples out to get a donkey and a colt, and they come back to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus mounts this colt and his donkey at this place, and they begin to ride into Jerusalem. 
Now, there's a number of things that we could talk about in regards to this, and I'm just trying to give you a little background. The Mount of Olives, or Bethany, which is close to the Mount of Olives. Oh, it's working now. All right, here's, here's our map, and, and I'm sorry I couldn't get a little bit bigger than this, but the red balloon is considered the Mount of Olives, and, and Bethany's close. Bethpage, you know, are all close to the Mount of Olives. Now, the Mount of Olives, Bethany, Bethpage, is considered about a Sabbath walk to Jerusalem. Now, when you read Scripture, can you ever find what the distance of a Sabbath walk or, uh, really is? It's hard to really figure it out. Most scholars think it's somewhere between half a mile and a mile. So for today's sake, we'll say less than a mile. So basically, Jerusalem is less than a mile to the Mount of Olives. Now, this is the Mount of Olives. If you're standing in Jerusalem or coming from Jerusalem towards the Mount of Olives, this is the view that you would see, modern-day view. So in the bottom left... It's what's called the Church of All Nations. Now, the Church of All Nations is symbolic because this is where the Garden of Gethsemane is supposedly located in the time of Jesus. So this will be the place where Jesus was arrested at the base of the Mount of Olives. In the middle is a Russian Orthodox church. You can see the kind of the gold dome that is there, and it's the Church of Mary Magdalene, and it was built in the 1800s. And I just think it's kind of cool that you have these gold domes that are there. But you can see the Mount of Olives kind of in the background of this, and the Mount of Olives is, is a north-south running ridge of mountains. Uh, I think at the highest, it's about 2,640 feet. And so this is what Jesus would be coming to as, as they left Jerusalem or walking towards the Mount of Olives. Now, of course, you can turn and face Jerusalem, and you can see Jerusalem. Remember when Jesus came, and he began to weep over the city of Jerusalem at, at one point. And so I just wanted to give you a little, a little background with that. Again, there's the map that goes with that. So what we find on Sunday, Palm Sunday, is that Jesus is fulfilling Zechariah 9.9, which I'm going to paraphrase it, but basically what, what the prophet says is, you know, rejoice Jerusalem, rejoice Israel, for your king is coming on a colt and on a donkey, and, he, and, and hell the king that is coming. So basically that's, that's the prophecy that Jesus is fulfilling, and, and we know the crowds are celebrating, the crowds are excited on this day, you know, here's Jesus that you've heard about. Jesus has been to Jerusalem before, but this is a little bit different this time. His reputation has, has grown. People have, they know the things that he's done, feeding the 5,000, feeding the 4,000, healing, um, setting people free, and so forth. And there's rumors that begin to spread. Word spreads, Jesus is coming into the city. And people are running out from the city, excited. Maybe, maybe like, March Madness in some ways, right? When, when, you're, when you're watching your team, maybe if your team's winning in essence, or there's that last second shot, or, or a soccer game, or a concert. Just the craziness of, of people. You just get this excitement that goes on many times. People are running out, and they're throwing stuff down in order to honor Jesus as their king, and they're excited. But isn't it interesting that in a few days, the crowds kind of turn, and the same ones that were welcoming him are now, in a few days, going to shout, crucify him it's because of expectations and here's what i want us to understand uh, today and as we even go into tomorrow is our expectations of god you see what the israelites wanted was this king that would come and sit on the throne of david they were saying hey let us reestablish the kingship of david and and we can overthrow rome we can have our own freedom. If you would just give us a king God like David or like Solomon and who could raise up an army, we'll overthrow Rome and the tyranny and all that comes with us and we'll have this great freedom and we'll rule like we did in the days of David. 
It just says, no, that's not why I'm coming. If you want to make a comparison to this, it's almost like looking for the breadcrumb. Let me have this little breadcrumb because this is what's going to fulfill me. And Jesus says, I'm the bread factory. I'm, I'm bringing it all. And we settle a lot of times for that, that simple thing because it's what we think we want. And the question I think we must ask ourselves is what Jesus are we receiving? Because many times we come with an agenda, we come with a certain thing, and we say, God, this is my plan. This is what I want of you. This is what I need of you. And we simply ask him to rubber stamp it and bless it. But that's not how Jesus operates. Because usually he has this much bigger picture than ourselves, than, than we can even think or imagine. And it's for a purpose and a reason. See, Jesus' mission was not to come and establish a kingdom that would be temporal, that would be like David or, or Solomon that would fade away or that would you know, do this or that. It was an eternal kingdom that would last forever. It's the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' purpose is, is what we talked about last week as we looked at John 17. As Jesus prayed, hey, I fulfilled the mission to reveal the Father to the people. And the mission is simply this, that Jesus, through Jesus, that we would know the Father, that we would know God, to, me, to know Him. And as a result of that, we would also walk in a way to make Him known. Anything else is really not the mission that we find in the Bible. But yet so many times we bring stuff in and we say, God, this is what I want. God, this is what I need. Just like the Israelites. And we should learn from this. They were saying, we want a king that's going to sit on the throne, that's going to rule and reign. And God says, well, I'm going to sit on the throne. He says, I'm going to sit on the throne, but I'm going to rule and reign in a different way. How many times do we come kind of with that, that heart set, that this is what I want, God? If only you would give me this job. If only you would deliver this. If only you would give me breakthrough here. And God says, you know, I've got something a little bit different. Do you trust me? Are you willing to step out and trust me in this? The crowds turn because the expectation was not met. And many times we do the same thing. We offer a prayer or we, we seek the word of God or, or we seek something. And, and, and it's not what we want. And so the question is, what Jesus are we receiving? And is it biblical? Is it accurately biblical to the text that we read? How many times do we come and we say, God, this is what I want. Man, I'll serve you and do everything you want if you would just answer this. That's kind of what the Israelites were saying at this point, is Jesus, if you'll be our political king, we will follow you all the days. We will do whatever you tell us to do. But we know that breaks down. So as we go through today and, and we begin tomorrow, we begin to see a theme that Jesus is, is putting forward. He's saying, hey, who are my true followers? Are you playing that you're following with me, or are you truly my follower? And I think we must ask ourselves that same question as well. Are we just playing being a follower of Christ? Are we just kind of playing around, hoping we can get a blessing, hoping we can get something good? Or are we willing to lay it down and say, God, here I am. I'm willing to follow whatever it may cost. You see, the crowds begin to turn because they didn't like the message of Jesus. Because all of a sudden, this rah-rah, here's our king, says, oh, no, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to eat my flesh, you're going to have to drink my blood. You're going to be willing to go into the world and suffer. You're going to have to go out and lay your life down. You're going to have to go out and share the message that I'm going to give you. People say, no, no that's, that's not what we want. We want king. We want a blessing. We want this. We want this. How many times do we do the same? As we go into Monday, Jesus' tone doesn't change really. Here's the, here's the crowd. Jesus coming into the city. But Monday... And again, here's your scriptures that I want you to, to read tomorrow. 
Matthew chapter 21, 12 through 22, Mark 11, 15 through 19, Luke 19, 45 through 48, and John 2, 13 through 17. But basically what happens on Monday, Jesus and his disciples begin to come into Jerusalem. And the first thing they do before they get to Jerusalem is Jesus sees this fig tree, and it's not producing fruit, and he curses it. Now, I used to not like this story a lot. I don't know if anyone's ever had problems with this story. It's like, wait, Jesus is this love. He's, he's, he speaks life, but all of a sudden he's, he's cursing the fig tree because it's not bearing fruit. And the purpose, I think, of what Jesus' point is to his disciples is that we must bear fruit. And we're all going to bear fruit probably in some way, whether it's good fruit or bad fruit. But he's really saying, what fruit is your life producing? Why are you following? And then he goes into the temple courts and he turns the tables over in the temple courts and he says, my house shall be a house of prayer, not a den of robbers. And there's people who, who were making the church or the temple a place of, of money exchange and, and manipulation of people who, who couldn't buy their doves or, or lambs and all this stuff. And, and there was just uh, a monopoly going on in some ways. And he said, no, the mission's all wrong here. And he flips the tables. And basically, these two are tied together about bearing fruit and what kind of fruit are you going to bear and why we do what we do. What, what fruit do you produce? And what is your reason for coming into the temple? See, people are coming to the temple to get something in return. I'm going to sell this. I'm going to do this. And he says, no, no, my temple, that church should be a house of prayer. And we must begin to ask ourselves that same question. Why, why am I coming into the presence of God? Is it that I may get to know him more, that I may commune with him, so that my life may be submitted to him? Or is it to come and give my list of things that I want and I need? It's almost a contractual relationship. God, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. I saw someone a week or two ago, and, and they said the whole reason they came to this city is because God told them to come to this city, and, and they thought because they were obedient to God that God would begin to do this, this, and this. And it's not happening. And they're greatly disappointed. Job says, I came into this world with nothing. I'll leave this world with nothing. But yet I'll choose to praise the Lord. See, we have to check our motives many times. Why is it that we do the things that we do? And, and, and honestly, there's, there's a lot of reasons we do it, but it may not be the right reason. Maybe tradition, it may be something else. What fruit are we bearing? Is it a fruit of myself? Hey, I want to get this, I'm going to get that. Or is it a fruit of the kingdom of God that's... That's not always easy to walk out. Evangelism, discipleship, these things are, are difficult. Jesus continues on Tuesday as they go back to, to the Mount of Olives. They get up early and they, they come to the temple in Jerusalem, and then they leave Jerusalem and they go to the Mount of Olives. What happens when Jesus comes into the temple on Tuesday morning is that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, begin to aggressively try to trap him. Questions and, and questioning his authority and, and, and such and all these different things. And Jesus really puts them in their place. But yet it stirs the Pharisees out of fear to say, look, we've got to get rid of this guy. And they begin to even turn the crowds against Jesus. Hey, this guy's not going to do what you want him to do. He's, he's really just a prophet that's, that's not even a prophet. He's a false prophet. And, and they begin to speak all this stuff against Jesus that turns the crowds. So the disciples and Jesus begin to leave Jerusalem. They slip out of Jerusalem because his life is in danger. 
And they go to the Mount Olives, the Mount of Olives. And Jesus gives what's called the Olivet Discourse, which is really a prediction about what's going to happen in Jerusalem 30 or 40 years. The destruction of the temple, destruction of Jerusalem, which takes place in 70 AD. And there's some end time um, talk that Jesus has as well. But again, well, let me say this first. Also on Tuesday is when Judas decides to betray Jesus. He makes the covenant, or not the covenant, but the contract with, with the people that he, for 30 silver coins that he would sell Jesus out. And again, I think Jesus is asking a tough question here. He says, are you with me or are you not with me? So you can see Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and really Monday and Tuesdays, he's hitting people hard. He's saying, are you, what, what fruit are you producing? Why do you do what you do? And are you with me or not? Because you have these massive crowds that are saying, man, we'll do anything, Jesus. But he's saying, let me turn the heat up a little bit. Are you really willing to be my follower? Are you really willing to lay it all down for the sake of, of what I'm asking you to do? The mission, so that I may be known to you and that you may make it, me known to others. And many said, no, I can't do that. I'm not willing to do that. We had dinner, Karen and I had dinner Wednesday night with um, a couple pastors and their spouses from Chicago. And uh, we knew one of the pastors, so we were, we were getting to know the other one. And we were just kind of telling our story around, around the table as we were eating. And we, we started talking about China, and we started talking about the, the nature of the church in America. And, and, and uh, I think one of them had asked a question um, about, is it really true that, that thousands of people are coming to Christ you know, daily and weekly in China. And we said, yeah, when we were there, it was. And what's the difference in that and, and, the, and the American church? And I said, you know, we have it too easy in America many times. As if you think about it, we have all the resources to fund every missionary that would ever go out to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But yet people don't even give on Sunday morning. Time. Man, we have so much time that we waste. But yet, the commitment to the kingdom and to what God is calling us to do is, is, is not always a priority. Or talent. We have so much talent. The world has so much talent that God's placed in us to be stewards of, but yet we don't employ that. And we're talking about the persecution of the Chinese church and how when we had students that, that would come to, to our homes, they were risking something just to come to our home and study the Bible. When we said, hey, the next step is to receive Christ, and they receive him, saying the next step is to be baptized. Baptism is, is a big thing because you're making a commitment to Christ fully and completely. You're having to consider, what's my mom and dad going to say because they could get me out of the family. There could be dishonor. I could lose my life possibly. I could go to labor camp with no charges. It's not, hey, I'm going to get baptized maybe, or I'm going to come down for the fourth time and give my life to Christ, and I'm going to just slide back into my own world. This is what Jesus is talking about is, if, if you're looking for comfort in following Christ, you've come to the wrong place. If you're going to follow me, it's going to require something. Are you willing to lay it down? Are you willing to really lay your life down? It's what Joe shared about a few weeks ago. It's about saying, am I going to sit in the boat and live with the splinters, or am I willing to get out on the water and do what Christ has called me to do? The mission of Christ is clear, that we may know him. And we must make every effort to know him. If we spent half the time that we pour into some other things, just getting to know God through our Bible and prayer, we would be much better off. When's the last time you shared Christ with someone? It's a question I asked myself this week, and 
I'd like to say, wow, I've prayed that someone received Christ last week, this week. I really can't answer it as yes. Now, maybe I'm rationalizing a little bit, but, but I think it's, it's something I want to point out is, is there's a lot of ways to lead someone to Christ. There's a lot of things that have to take place. Prayer is one of those things that we've talked about interacting with someone, engaging with someone, sharing Christ with someone. It, being intentional to do this is part of the process. And fruit is, is, not, is not always bearing in every season as a result of that. But we do bear fruit. So when I ask that question, it's not, oh, I didn't lead anyone to Christ, I must be bad. It's are you intentionally engaging with people so you may lead them to Christ, which is not really you leading them to Christ, it's God doing something in their lives. But yet we must ask that question. We're saying, well, I'm just comfortable coming to church on Sunday. Maybe read my devotion a couple days a week. Man, I'm ready for Easter because I get to wear new clothes and, and, and dye some Easter eggs and, and see some family. And that's, this, that's who Jesus is talking to, saying, look, if, if that's the type of follower you're going to be, then, then don't even follow me because I don't need you. These are harsh words that Jesus is laying out for us. And a lot of times we, we build a little, a little bubble around these words and say, yeah, that, that's cool, Jesus. If I could just give up. TV for an hour, and I can know you a little bit better. Or, oh, oh, someone persecuted me today because they say Christians are crazy. He's really throwing it down, and we've got to really embrace this. Don't be mad at me. This is the message that's here in the Word. And are we willing to biblically embrace it or embrace the biblical message here and say, am I playing as a follower or am I truly a follower? And every one of us, we have things that we need God to really empower us to do. Whatever it may be. Now, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad and saying, hey, you've just been playing church. You've just been playing following Christ. It's really a calling up to a higher standard. And that's what God's doing. I'm sure he would prefer to have 12 who were on fire for him than to have 5,000 that were following Wait, that's what we see in the Bible, right? Twelve who changed the world. And that's what he wants. Is are we willing to set aside this agenda, these things that we think are so important, and it clouds us from getting to know him in deeper ways? These are things that I think are important for each and every one of us to reflect upon and think about. That's why Monday, tomorrow, I want you reading Scripture Tuesday, reading this scripture and asking these questions. Because when it comes to Wednesday, you got a free pass. Not really. Wednesday's called Silent Wednesday because nothing is in scripture about Wednesday. Jesus is in the Mount of Olives on, on Tuesday afternoon, evening. They stay there. Wednesday, nothing's written. None of the gospel writers write anything. It's probably he's with his disciples, he's talking to his disciples, he's teaching his disciples, they're preparing for Passover, which is going to happen the next day. It's the last day. Think about going on a long trip or something. Usually you don't schedule something the day before because you're going to spend time with your family or friends or finish packing, doing things like that. Something very similar. But it's Silent Wednesday, and I think there's a reason it's Silent Wednesday. Anyone like silence? Maybe you like it for a little while. Things like that, you know, especially if it's loud and it's chaotic and, and all that. We, we went out with Nathan's baseball team Friday night and it was loud. When I got home, I was like, man, I really don't want to have any noise around for a while just because my ears are ringing. 
But after a while, silence gets a little, I don't know, boring or uh, just lonely. There's just a lot of things there. And we just want to start talking. How many times do we come to God and, and he's the one that's silent because he can't get a word in? Because we're saying, God, I want this. God, I need this. God, what about this? God, what about that? What about just coming and listening to the Lord? Jesus is probably telling and talking and teaching to the disciples. Wednesday's a great day to begin to listen to God's voice. I mean, every day is. But I think Wednesday's a good day to come and say, God, I want to praise you. I'm not asking for anything today. I just want you to speak. And some of these things that we've been reflecting upon Monday and Tuesday, I think you will speak very clearly. Thursday picks up the action. A lot of action. A lot of scripture here to read as well. But we have the Last Supper, washing the disciples' feet, um, going to the Garden of Gethsemane, betrayal and arrested. Peter denies Jesus during this time. You guys got that? All right. I think there's one more slide. I, I changed the slide deck around a little bit. If you missed any of this, then just let me know. We'll, we can get it afterwards. But all this takes place Thursday. Basically, Jesus sends the, the disciples, Peter and John, out and says, hey, go prepare the, the, the room and um, go to this place. Isn't it cool? Jesus says, hey, go to this place. This guy will have a room for you. He's expecting you. Isn't that kind of interesting? I think God still moves that way many times. God sends his angels out to prepare that parking place for you, right? Isn't that self? <laughs> no, I think he sends things out to prepare our purpose for us. Then we have the washing the disciples' feet. Then in the garden, there's a betrayal. Jesus is arrested. And then Peter denies Jesus. All this was in the scripture that you'll read this week. Now, this is a pet peeve of mine I always like to bring in when we talk about the Last Supper, especially in regards to this this, uh, this painting that I just see in my grandmother's house. You heard me talk about this, I think, last November or December when I talked about communion. This, this is not a picture that was actually taken there. I think you know that, right? They didn't have, they didn't have black and white cameras then. That's, that's the dead giveaway. Um, <laughs> it's more like this. You can see the upper right kind of a U-shaped type of lounge chairs, benches with tables in the middle. And, and this is a little fuzzy this morning, but Peter was probably here at the bottom. Jesus is, is number one over here, vertically challenged. And then uh, John and Judas are probably right there as well. And so that just gives you a different picture of what the Last Supper is as they celebrate the Passover and so forth. Um, Friday. Friday, we go into the trial, the crucifixion, the death, and the burial. Jesus takes his life. Jesus is falsely accused and he's sentenced to death. And there's another slide here, so I'll go ahead. You go ahead and write that stuff down before we move forward.
you needed to come see me afterwards. Oh, I guess the Holy Spirit doesn't want me to move on. Can you hit right arrow? Probably because I added in the new slide here. Well, the rest of it says this. It says, uh, there's no more scriptures, so you don't have to worry about it. It says, before Christ was led away, soldiers spit on him, tormented and mocked him, pierced him with a crown of thorns. Then Jesus carried his own cross to Calvary, where again he was mocked and insulted as Roman soldiers, nailed him to the wooden cross. And then Jesus dies and is placed in the tomb. And so basically, and that's the last slide, don't worry about it, guys. Basically... Yeah, don't worry about it. Basically, Friday is, is a lot of the continuation from Thursday. But there is some interesting things. You know, Jesus on the cross, his last words, his Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And then he says, Father, unto your hands I commit my spirit. And I just always think that's, that's powerful that Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And I just think it gives us a, such an example of forgiveness that people are going to wrong us. Maybe they don't always know what they're doing. That's not giving them a free pass necessarily, but, but we do have an example to forgive them and let God begin to work in our hearts through that. Then about 6 o'clock in the evening, Nicodemus and Joseph come, and they take down the body of Jesus, and they lay it in the tomb. And can you imagine as they lay that, the body of Jesus into the tomb, and, and they know its Sabbath is, is now started, and thus they'll have to come back in a couple of days and, and really do the proper burial. They roll the stone over. And it kind of, you know, you can do it Hollywood style, and it kind of clicks into place. You have all the dramatic music. And you, and you start to think back about the week from today, Sunday, Palm Sunday, triumphal entry, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You think about what, what was exciting about Sunday and the expectations, the anticipation, and now where it is on Friday. And I don't think anyone expected, I don't think the disciples expected this, I don't think the crowds expected, I don't think any of the followers of Jesus expected this. I mean, Jesus expected this, he knew this would happen. But no one else knew that this would play out this way. And if you think about that, how many times in our own life do we have our plans laid out, or we're thinking God's directing us this way, and it's only to use us, not use us in a bad way, but to get us to a place so he can shift us just a little bit more to the right or left. But yet we get so disappointed in those, those times. God, here's what I had laid out for my five-year, 10-year, 20-year plan. I was going to buy a house. I was going to get married. I was going to have kids. I was going to get this great job. I, I was going to go on a mission trip in this year. I was going to do this. And God said, whoa, no, no. You're going to the mission field. Oh, no, no, no. You're called into the marketplace, into this place. Might be McDonald's. No, it's not McDonald's. As your mission field. We have these expectations many times of God. Does God work and move in your life as you expect? No, probably not. Probably blows your mind away many times or, or your thoughts away. But are you disappointed when he, when he doesn't move the way you expect? A lot of us are. And a lot of us, we cross our arms and say, nah, I'm not moving, God, because you didn't do what you, you said you would do or what I thought you would do. And, 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 and we, we kind of just go half speed then. This walk that we, we say we walk, this journey, is a fast-paced journey. It's an exciting journey. But you don't know where the next turn is. You don't know where the next hill is necessarily. You may have a map, but it may not always accurately show that. 
There's a direction he's got us going in. And many times when we go around the curve and it's, it's 90 miles an hour around the curve and we're saying, Jesus, I don't think, I don't think we're going to make it. I don't think we're going to make it. And he's like, no, we're going to make it. And we're wanting to bail out of the car. Many times we do bail out of the car. And really what this whole week is about is a trust. Do we trust Jesus with our lives? We like to say we do. Lord, you're, you're my Savior. Lord, you are my Lord. You're, you're this, I'll do anything. But when he turns up the heat and he puts us into a place, a really a pressure cooker, are we going to bail out? Are we going to say, are we going to tap out for mercy? Or are we say, God, I'm still holding on. I'm holding on to you wherever you may take me. I'm willing to follow through with the mission. And I think that's the question we have to ask. I think at the surface level, we say, absolutely, God, I'm with you. There's, there's nothing that would keep me from that. But the reality is when we, when we step out of these, these doors and back into the world, when we, when we go where we are tomorrow and God says, hey, I want you to go talk to that person. Or God says, hey, I, I want you to, to pack some stuff up in a box and give it away. Some of your, your nearest and dearest stuff because it's going to bless someone. Or, hey, I want you to do this or I want you to do that. And we say, you know, God, eh, I don't know. It's really not what I want to do. And that's where we have to ask, are we playing following Christ? Or are we really following? Because this is nothing new that we haven't talked about. That following him is not going to be easy. That following him is not always going to be fun. It's going to have joy within it, absolutely. And God's going to make a way. But it's not always going to be, man, this has been the greatest ride of my life. Maybe looking back, you say, yeah, God, you were so faithful. But in the midst of facing the giant or seeing the mountain or in the darkness, are we going to hold on to him? The disciples even wavered with this. Peter even wavered with this during this week as he denied Christ. But yet God restored him. And there's maybe times that we've wavered in our own lives, but God's restoring us because it wasn't many days later, 40 days later, that, that Peter stands up and he preaches and 3,000 give their life to Christ. And disciples began to do crazy, wild things, crazy, miraculous things. And most of these had left Jesus in Jerusalem when he was arrested. See, God wants to work in our lives if we're just willing to lay it all bare before us. Now, that's a lot easier said, I know, than actually done. But this is why I wanted to go through the Scripture this way this morning. Because really, I could tell you, you need to do all this stuff, and I know I have. But you really have to get before the Lord and begin to let him drop that into your heart and even pull things out. Next week, I think we're going to do something, we are doing something that's, that's going to kind of continue with this in some ways. And that's why you're going to have a, a good basis if you've read this scripture. As we have five different stations we're going to set up. There's going to be three here in the sanctuary. There's going to be one in the lobby. And I think there's going to be one in the fellowship area. But it's going to be interactive. You're going to take some of this scripture and you're going to begin to interact with your senses in different ways. And I think it's going to drive the point home even more. And really what I want us to do today and, and throughout this week and, and into next Sunday is to do something I asked you to do last week about prayers to push all that knowledge kind of out and approach this story in a fresh way. It's not really a story, it's truth in a fresh way because we're very familiar with it. And begin to say, well, I don't know anything about Jesus' death and resurrection. Let me look at it with a new lens, a fresh lens, and see what he speaks. I was listening to um, Good Good Father this morning. I was drinking some coffee on my couch. And, and, I, and I've heard the lyrics many times, but, but at the end I think it says um, something about take me deeper. Take me deeper. And I just begin to pray that over us, that the Lord would take us deeper 
in the relationship that we have with him. That's an exciting prayer, but it's not an easy prayer. God wants to move and work in our life, but not always as we expect it. We have to begin to embrace that. We have to be willing to embrace that. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you are calling us deeper and deeper and deeper into relationship, into communion with you. Lord, you are good. You're so good, Lord. Pray, Lord, that we will just see how good you are in our lives and over our lives. But yet, Lord, there's a, there's a standard that you call us to. That you don't want us just to play, but you want us to be true followers. And Lord, I confess that many times I've fallen short of that. That I've chosen to do things my own way or, or follow my own will or, or even lay out my own agenda. Lord, I confess that, ask for forgiveness of that. Lord, I think we all confess that and ask for forgiveness. Lord, take us deeper. Lord, the things that hold us back, remove them, Lord. The things that seem difficult and hard, your calling, your plan for our lives, Lord, strengthen us to take the next step. Let us burn with a fire inside of us, a consuming fire inside of us that consumes things around us, Lord. Lord, have your way with us. Lord, I pray this week as as we engage with the scriptures about Passion Week, that you'll work something inside of us that, that is new and fresh and exciting and stretching as well. Lord, I pray as we read these verses, they'll just jump off the page and just fill our cup to overflowing. Show us new things. Let us see new truth within these words, Lord. Prepare our hearts for what we celebrate next Sunday, your resurrection. Lord, we thank you that you're so good to us. Thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to us. Give us ears to hear that. Let us be true followers. Strengthen us to do whatever it takes. 